Hey everyone, welcome to That You May Know Him, a podcast where we are committed to proclaiming biblical truth that helps you know Christ better than ever before. What's up, guys? This is Blake, and I'm so excited to say that the time has come. Today, we are launching our new show where we'll study the Bible one book at a time, one verse at a time. The show will air two times per week. Every episode will be about 10 minutes long, and we start with the book of Revelation. My friends, welcome to Two for Ten. Hey, guys, real quick before we get started. Many of you know I co-authored a book with my good friend, Dr. Richard Cox, and that book is being released this week from Whitfenstock Publishers. The book is called Secularism, The Church, and The Way Forward. We try to ask a lot of important questions about the state of the American church right now, the state of the church in the West, and what its future is going to look like. I hope you enjoy the book. I hope you get a chance to check it out. Please do. Like I said, it's available from Whitfenstock Publishers. It should be up on Amazon and Barnes and Noble in the very, very near future. I really do appreciate it, and I hope that that also is a blessing to you. All right, let's get into the book of Revelation. Hey, I know I told you that in 2 for 10, we're going to be studying the Bible one verse at a time. And that's true. Most of our episodes of 2 for 10 will cover two verses in about a 10 to 12 minute window. But for this first episode, we want to start by giving you an overview in the time we have left of the book of Revelation. Just some general information that will help you begin well when studying this book. You know, they say there's two types of Christians in the world. There's the ones that you can't get into the book of Revelation, and there's the ones that you can't get out of the book of Revelation. I tend to think that's true. In my experience, there's people who love the book of Revelation, who love talking about end times, eschatology, and are obsessed with it. There's other types of people, probably more common, that want nothing to do with the book of Revelation. Don't come near me. Don't come near me with that. Keep it away from me. I don't want to touch it. I don't want to think about it. Plus, it's in the future and I don't I don't even want to worry about it. Well, look, there's a reason why this book is so polarizing. It's been polarizing throughout the history of the church. In fact, let me read you a quote. Martin Luther, the great church reformer, had this to say about the book of Revelation. It is a pity that it made it into the New Testament. Can you believe that? Martin Luther wasn't alone. Many of the reformers did not like this book. In fact, John Calvin the famous church reformer along with Martin, one of the famous church reformers along with Martin Luther wrote commentaries on every book in the New Testament except the book of Revelation. Never even preached on it. Ulrich Zwingli, another one of the well-known church reformers, said it was not apostolic and we shouldn't even read it or touch it. Now look, this is a sad thing. And unfortunately, I don't want to talk bad about the reformers and I'm not, but they weren't right when it came to their view of the book of Revelation. On the other hand, let me read you a quote from the well-known English scholar William Barclay, who said this, 
Revelation is infinitely worthwhile to wrestle with until it gives us its blessing and opens to us its riches. You can see there's a wide-ranging gap. There's, there's a wide span of views when it comes to this book. So how do we decide what to make of this book? Well, I think for us, we have to look at what God himself says about the book. And let me read this to you. This is from Revelation 1.3. This is what Jesus said about the book of Revelation. It's the only book in the Bible that has something like this. He says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who keep what is written in it for the time is near. This is the only book in your Bible, not just your New Testament, in your Bible that conveys a blessing on the one who reads it, who hears it, and who keeps what is written in it. That, in and of itself, is a good little glimpse of what real Christian faith is. It's not just about hearing, it's about hearing and doing. Same thing in the end of the book. Look at the end of Revelation in, verse, in chapter 22, starting in verse 18. It says, I warn everyone who reads the words of this prophecy, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in the book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of the prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city. That is a pretty serious curse. God will take away your share in the tree of life if you alter this book. This book, look, it's not more important than any other book in the Bible, but it's just as important in any other book of the Bible. Don't be swayed. Don't be swayed by people who say, that it's not apostolic, that it's not genuine, that it shouldn't be in your Bible like the reformers did. And don't be swayed by people who say it doesn't concern you because it does concern you. And Jesus would not convey a blessing on anyone who reads and keeps the words written in this book if he didn't mean it and if it wasn't important. That's what God thinks about the book of Revelation. I'll have you know also, the early church... This was their absolute favorite book. In the first 300 years of Christianity, no book was more read, more preached from, more talked about, more written about than the book of Revelation. How do we know that? Well, one of the reasons we know that is because if you compile all the extra biblical writings from the first three centuries of Christianity, everything that we have that any Christian scholar or pastor wrote in the first three centuries of the church we can recompile the entire book of Revelation just based on the amount of times that early church fathers quote it. That's how much they wrote about it. We don't even need the manuscripts of the book of Revelation, the original manuscripts. We can actually recompile the entire book just based on the amount of times it was written about by early church fathers. It mattered to them, and it should matter to us as well. You know, many people like to stress or like to talk about what type of genre this book is. And it's true that it falls into the category of apocalyptic literature. This was a, a literary genre that was very popular in the 300 to 400 years surrounding the life of Jesus. A couple hundred years before and a couple hundred years after. It's rich in symbolism. Some people say you should read the book of Revelation completely allegorically. 
Some people say you should read the book of Revelation completely literally. I say it's probably actually somewhere in the middle. A lot of the things in here are symbolic, but they're symbolic because they represent something real, if you catch my drift. In fact, the name Revelation is in, is in and of itself revealing to us about what this book is all about. The word Revelation comes from the comes from the Greek word apocalypsis or apocalypto and it literally means an unveiling or a revealing this book reveals or unveils what is going to happen in the future that's why even though a lot of really smart people want to stress the the, the fact that this book is apocalyptic and they want to classify it as apocalyptic literature in its genre Actually, Jesus says that this book is prophecy. In fact, it's right there in the very beginning of, of the book itself. Jesus says, write down the words of this prophecy and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. So look, people have a lot of opinions about what type of book Revelation is. Jesus himself tells us that it is prophetic. This book is a prophecy. It tells us what will happen in the future. It unveils what will happen in the future. Think about it. If this book wasn't in your Bible, your Bible would end with the book of Jude. I love the book of Jude. Jude was the brother of Jesus. His name was actually Judas for good reason. He probably didn't want to go by Judas in the, you know, after, after things wrapped up there at the end of Jesus's life. So he went by Jude, but he wrote a book and it's a great book. It's one of my favorite books, but what I found is that most people haven't actually read it. And it is very serious. The book of Jude is a very serious. I've heard one person say it's a dreadful little book. It really warns Christians about the dangers of not living the Christian life. That's not the point, though. Revelation ends in the same way that Genesis begins. It ends in a garden where man and God have been reunited and now have fellowship, eternal fellowship and eternal harmony and peace with one another so that God and man have been completely restored. Man's been restored back to God and we're communing and we have eternal fellowship and eternal worship of God. It's an amazing thing. But Revelation isn't just written for people who are going to live in the end. We don't know if we're living in the last days. We don't. A lot of people like to conjecture, like to say we are or we aren't. Jesus certainly did give us several signs. And he said, when these things are all taking place, you'll know that the time is near. This isn't the time or place for that discussion. But it does bring us to an interesting point, which is why does the book of Revelation matter to you? Say we're not living in the end times. Why does it matter to you and to me living here and now? Well, listen. The book of Revelation is written to seven churches, okay? And those seven churches represent, they were real, literal, actual churches that existed. And Jesus' words to them were to them. But they also represent not just the types of churches that are going to exist in the last days, when the things that happen in this book will take place. They also represent every church that's ever existed, from the first century when this book was written until now. Look, this book is written to churches and to Christians who are learning what it means to stay faithful 
to Jesus Christ, even while they're living in the midst of a world that is increasingly pagan, increasingly, increasingly secular, and increasingly hostile to God. This book is written to Christians who are learning what it means to stay faithful to Jesus even while authoritarian governments are vying for their, for their devotion, right? Many of the churches that are written to in this book, many of the Christians that are written to in this book are struggling with the fact that authoritarian secular powers are demanding that they are obedient and that they, that they worship those secular authorities and secular powers. Do you think that this book doesn't apply to you? It does. It applies to every Christian who's ever lived. It definitely, certainly is profitable for Christians living today, especially Christians living in the West who are learning what it means to stay faithful to Jesus even in the midst of a society that is becoming increasingly hostile to God and a government that is increasingly demanding our obedience our worship in a sense. That's why this book doesn't just apply to churches. It's written to churches, but it also applies to every single individual Christian. What are you struggling with? In what ways are the things of the world vying for your affection, for your worship? What wants to be bigger and more important in your life than Jesus Christ himself? If you're struggling with anything like that, and I think we all are, this book is for you because that's what this book is about. This is Jesus writing to his church, encouraging them, advising them, helping them to stay faithful and to remember that above everything else, our job in life is to worship God and nothing else. Everything in the world, many things from authorities to temptations, many things are vying for our worship. And what this book teaches us is that God himself wants to help us worship him and him alone, not just with our words, but with our actions and our very lives. That's what this book's all about. I think we've covered pretty much all the basics of the overview. I'm sure there's things I left out. Seven churches, Christians learning how to stay faithful, it's a prophetic book full of symbolism. Yeah, I think we're good, my friends. I hope you've enjoyed the first episode of Two for Ten. We'll be back on Thursday to look at Revelation chapter one, verses one, verses one and two. And I cannot wait. Stay blessed, live love, and thanks for watching Two for Ten on That You May Know. Know Him podcast is produced by That You May Know Him Ministries, Durham, North Carolina. 
You can visit our website at thatyoumayknowhim.com. Oh, 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 oh,